Uh, uh, ooh. Okay, can can you turn that down, Eric? What are you doing? I'm listening to Hitomi. What is what is this? Hitomi is the pop star that starred, co-starred, starred in our movie this week. Good pop stars and movies, exactly what we need. That's right, everyone. This week, well, first off, welcome to the show. Yeah, welcome back for episode nine. Episode nine. Episode nine. And. From the year 2006. This was 2006? 2006. It didn't feel like it, right? No, it felt like 1994. 1994. <laughs> no, it was, uh, yeah, it wasn't bad. It was fine. Uh, 2006 comes Nightmare Detective. Welcome to Lucid Screams. My name is Eric. I'm Evelyn. And before we jump into our movie, how's your week been? What have you been up to? I've had a big week. Yeah? Yeah. Um, I feel like one big milestone for the both of us was the fact that we finished Boy Meets World, finally. Oh my god, finally. <laughs> we met the world. We met it, and I'm not happy about it. No, no. Uh, a little bit of a backstory. Uh, when I first moved to Chicago, I had no internet, and I had no <laughs> cable. So literally, the only thing I could do was watch a box set of Boy Meets World on a loop oh my God. over and over and over again. I cannot imagine. Have not revisited it since I brought myself back to uh, the population. <laughs> but watching it now, man, I just didn't. It. I mean, I still like the episodes I like, but there's a, I feel a lot differently about it now. Yeah. This was my first time watching it all the way through. I remember watching episodes here and there like as they were airing when I was a kid, but I'd never actually watched it all the way through and I'd never actually seen the quote progression <laughs> of Corey and Corey and Topanga and Sean and Corey is a piece of shit and oh, I yeah. hate him. He is a baby. <laughs> He's a sociopath. He has emotional imbalances. Yeah, he he needs therapy. Let's let's that be real. Boy needs therapy. <laughs> but I... no, he's he's so selfish and he only cares about himself and it's really gross when he tries to boss Topanga around. It's just it's icky. Well, we had talked about the fact that um he might be a serial killer. Yeah. I uh, believe it. They talked about him having a massive head injury at some point when he was a kid. And it's all jokes, but if you turn off the laugh tracks, there's some real questions to be had. Yeah, honestly. And my God, does Sean push Angela more than a couple oh of times? Oh my God. Okay, it's not funny, but it it's a little funny. funny because it's so exaggerated. Sean has a drinking problem for like a week. He just goes... <laughs> and he downward spirals. He spirals so hard. And let's talk about Sean for a minute because <laughs> I know Sean has been through some things in his life, but every time he hits one teeny tiny little roadblock... He always goes for his failsafe, which is, well, I don't deserve this. I grew up in a trailer park. I'm horrible. I'm trash. I'm like, dude, you can can you calm down? Yeah. For a second, you got this. You can do this. <laughs> it's just ugh, that show was more stressful to me than anything. It was it was a lot of work. So yeah, I I just I, I don't know. Maybe I'm too much of a man now for a boy a man. show. <laughs> um, so that's kind of what we did this week. Uh, I don't think I really did anything out of the ordinary that's at least interesting to talk about. Well, I have one more thing I need to talk about. Please. 
I finished Killing Eve finally. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Spoilers for Killing Eve. No, not not really spoilers, but we're um, going to tell you exactly how it ends. <laughs> it uh, it was a little underwhelming. I'm going to be honest. No one liked it. Really? Really. <laughs> you built it up so much for me, and it was just all a lie. <laughs> well, I just wanted to see what your reaction would be because people are calling it the new Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. In the sense that it was disappointing. Yeah. I thought you meant they were calling it the Game of Th- the New Game of Thrones in the sense that it was so epic. No, no, no. No, no, no. It was very disappointing no, for me. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I was very underwhelmed and I left with more questions than anything. Much like really... today's movie. Yes. Before we get into it, I thought we could talk a little bit about horror icons. Yeah. So we were watching, uh, you were watching the other day, uh, a horror show. Uh, what's it called? Channel Zero. Channel Zero, yeah. And we saw that show stressful. The too. actor John Carroll Lynch in it. Yes. And I brought up the fact that, you know, he's been in a lot of horror stuff. Is he a horror icon? No. What but it, he is a horror VIP, I'd say. What would you call an icon? Icon instantly recognizable, and it's weird to see them in things that aren't horror. Okay, that's fair. Like Vincent Price. If you saw Vincent Price in a thing that wasn't horror, you'd be like, where's the spooky part coming? Hold, hold up, Vincent. What are you doing? What's the, what's the price I'm going to have to pay? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's fair. I get that. Um, so who, who in your mind kind of counts as a horror VIP? Not a scream queen, not a final girl, not a... Uh, a um, a monster uh, icon like your uh, your Kane Hodders, mm-hmm. your uh... um. I mean, I f- I feel like she's kind of she's definitely on the rise right now. But Jenna Ortega, mm-hmm. I think she has a very clear path to becoming a horror icon. Um, she just needs to stick with it, girl. You can do this. <laughs> um. There were a few others that I was just randomly thinking about, and now I can't remember any of them. Because <laughs> <laughs> that means we don't write stuff down. I know. Ugh. Um, oh, also from uh, from Scream 5, the, the kid that plays Wes. Um, I cannot remember his name, but he was in Scream with Jenna Ortega. He was also in um, 13 Reasons Why, which I will never talk about again. Um, but I also noticed he's done a lot of indie horror. So I I feel like he could be a horror VIP. Uh, Definitely not an icon, but I'm also gonna throw into that ring. Um, oh God, what is his name? The guy. He has the really. Um, uh gosh, I keep thinking of the guy from uh, Midsummer who peed on the log and got killed for it. <laughs> Idiot. But he was also in like a horror video game. Wait, was he the guy that peed on the log? Yeah. Okay, keep talking. I'm going to Google it. He's a British guy, but he's he, he's uh, has a good American accent. Oh, gosh, he was in Bandersnatch. Yes. Um. What is that guy's name? I think he's horror VIP. I think. Uh, what else has he? Will Poulter. Yes. Um. But he also did a horror game series. Uh, called. Uh, it's from the people who made Dead by uh, uh Dead by Dead Dawn. By- Dead by Dawn? What's up? Yeah. It's the Hayden Pantier video game where you... Oh, like, that's called Dead by Dawn? Something like that. Sounds and, like a sequel to Dead by Daylight. And uh, he was in a one about like witchcraft. A game mm-hmm. about it's witchcraft? It's called Little Hope. 
What? Yeah, they did this whole thing where they released a smaller horror game, interactive horror stories. And uh, one was like, oh, it's like a diving team who find this like haunted submarine or battleship or whatever. And the second one was like, uh, it's about uh, this witchcraft trial and um, visiting the town of Little Hope. And uh, it is haunted. This sounds fun. I'd play it. You should play it. I'm oh. not gonna play with you because I get scared. He's also in uh, We're the Millers with um, Roberts. Emma. Emma Roberts. Yeah. Also kind of a horror VIP. I say horror VIP. Yeah. Yeah. How about Kiefer Sutherland? Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, mm-hmm. Lost Boys. Uh, I believe he was in a he was Invasion in of a, the Body Snatchers. Invasion. That's Donald Sutherland. Wait, what? That was Donald Sutherland. Yeah. One of the Sutherlands. And I also want to uh, make sure it's well known that if to be a horror VIP, you can't just be like, oh, I do this for like, oh, I, I was in a horror movie once. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm talking about your Jeffrey Dean Morgan's horror VIP. Walking he was Dead. In, he was in The Walking Dead. He was in Supernatural. He was in uh, he was in that one where they the <laughs> with Matisse Yahoo did the Jewish exorcism. Oh, the possession. The possession, yeah. He's married to Hillary Burton. I don't know who that is. Peyton Sawyer from One Tree Hill. Who's that? Oh my God. Is that the tree from the beginning of The Conjuring? Mm-hmm. Sure, 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 sure. Well, uh, so this week we watched Nightmare Detective. Mm-hmm. Decided to switch it up a little bit just because, you know, things why happen. Not? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it wasn't the right time to cover that video. Well, don't worry. We're going to watch it and do it later on. <laughs> But uh, for this week, we decided to watch Nightmare Detective, which I've been meaning to watch for a very long time. Yeah, I feel like you started this movie like four times. And just never yeah, I just never, I never it. finished it. Um, it's by the uh, acclaimed experimental indie director, uh, Shinya Sukamoto. Very experimental. Very auteur. Mm-hmm. I also just bought his collection. I'm very excited I'm to get into this. Which I'm right now because you've never seen uh, his, this is your first uh, uh, Tetsuya. I believe so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, give us a little, uh, uh, little D, little description of. Uh, Were you going to say denopsis? Nope. <laughs> a little description of the movie. A detective investigates a string of suicides where the victims slash themselves in their sleep. That's the longest one I could find. <laughs> Perfect. Let's I mean, go that's from the, there. That's the gist. That's the gist. You know, What's the gist? That's that's the gist. So I really like the opening of this movie. Um, we're like in a uh, living room and it looks like a guy's just like coming, a salary man's coming home from a long day. And in the corner is just this mess of hair floating from the wall. So fucking creepy. First of all, <laughs> the mood as far as like the, what level of creepiness? Cause I feel like it's, this movie is not horrifying, but it does set a mood of like, this is how creepy this movie is going to get. Yeah, like right off the bat when right off the bat when we first see this guy walk into his home, it's just the the mood is so dreary. Like the the colors in the room are just so bland and like the lighting is dark and it's very quiet and there's not really a lot going on in the room. And then when you look over in the corner, you see the hair just hanging on the wall and it's fucking weird. Just sitting down having a beer, reading it's the chilling. paper. Uh and up from underneath him pops the nightmare detective. <laughs> just 
<laughs> just super casual, just crawling out from the floor. <laughs> uh, I loved the, it felt like we were watching a play. Like I've seen a couple of like experimental um, uh, Japanese plays where they kind of like move, like they use the set a lot more for special effects and everything that was done in camera. Uh, that we meet uh, Kiyochi Kayanuma, who's played by Ryuhei Matsuda. That that was done in camera. That was done in camera. He popped like he was under the set, and he like that's funny. Up. <laughs> um, because uh, Sukumoto has a lot of history with uh, Shinji Sukumoto has a lot of history with theater work, as well as uh, very small indie films. Hmm. Uh, in fact, um, Tetsuo the Iron Man was originally a, uh, a stage production. If really I correctly. It's either originally stage production or he did it with, he did the film with his theater group mm. who was no, they were all known for doing weird, super weird plays. Fucking theater kids, man. They're uh, one in a million. <laughs> I love them. And then uh, we learned that the titular nightmare detective likes, well, he didn't like to do it. He actually hates doing it, but he, he genuinely hates doing it. hates doing it because he, gets hired a couple he's been only it's only been like a couple of times like three times yeah he's been hired to go into someone's nightmares and try to figure out what's going on and to get them out of it but he himself hates doing it because he sees what people fear the most yeah that's also where we get the weird so i like the what it looks like when he's coming in and out of the dreams like he's floating down into the ocean and we see inner like it's interspersed with like um the weird like very David Lynchian uh, film stuff over each other. This movie is very David Lynchian. It is. Did this come before David Lynch or like were, were these two like around the same time? Do you think one oh, influenced this is the well other? after David Lynch. After? Oh, yeah. I don't know that much David, David Lynch. David Lynch has been doing it since like the, the 80s, oh, late shit. 70s. All right. Fair enough. Um, this was 2006. I think... Uh, oh, yeah, you're right. You just said it was 2006. I think Tetsuo the Iron Man was early 90s. So... So he... The Nightmare Detective... What is his name? Did we get his actual name? Uh, yeah, yeah. His name his is... His Nightmare um, Detective. Uh, Kaganuma. Okay. So while he's in this man's dream, we find out that the the hair that's hanging on the wall was the daughter that his wife was pregnant with but she ended up aborting yeah it's really weird saying it like that and he'd forgotten about her yeah which is really fucking sad and kind of sets the very bleak tone for the rest of this movie and uh before we really get into it uh trigger warning for those yeah uh there's a lot of talk of suicide in this movie trigger warning trigger warning trigger warning so now that we've met our nightmare detective (laughs) we're going to meet our villain as well um, we meet a young woman who is, uh, she has called someone in order for them to commit suicide together over the phone so that neither of them would die alone. And our villain, who never, we never get his name. He's only known by Zero. She, it's really hard to kind of describe the visuals in this. But once he like stabs himself, like this creature starts chasing her. It's horrifying. And every time it runs past her, like it cuts her. And the gore in this movie is top notch. So good. I don't know who's in charge of the Japanese gore industry, but they're doing a great job. <laughs> uh, the this very first sequence that we get of the monster man guy. I mean, at this point, we don't we don't really know what it is. 
But this first sequence of this monster chasing this woman is so scary because the camera work is so frantic and so shaky and all over the place. And the sound effects are really weird because it's like really like squishy and gooey. But at the same time, it kind of sounds like something is growling and it's all just happening so quickly and it's so fucking scary. And the sound mixing itself is it's so jarring because uh, he just they just push forward a lot of the noises that really should be in the background. So it just kind of jolts you out of lulling yourself into a false sense of security. Yeah. Our villain is played by the director. Mr. Sukimoto. Why not? Who is in all of his films. Uh, he, he usually plays the villain. Really? Yeah. Good for him. He has this... <laughs> there, And I will say, uh, later on when he starts monologuing, he covers a lot of the same bases that he does in his movies. as like, this world is... This world is fucked up, man. We gotta destroy it, bro. <laughs> man, we get it. Very 90s nihilist. <laughs> Um, coming to check out the crime scene is uh, Detective Sekia, who's played by Ren Osugi, and uh, Detective Wakamiya, which is uh, played by Masanobu Ando. And joining the force is Keiko Kirishima, who is played by the pop star Hitomi. Which we heard earlier. at the top of the episode. <laughs> and they are... Man, they are giving her the business. They are assholes. Yes, they are. They are so gross and sexist, especially the um, the older cop. the head guy. Yeah, yeah. He's calling her princess. <laughs> Ugh. Who brought her here? Ugh. Don't want to deal with her. You're so gross. Her whole story is that she was doing uh, desk work, but she wanted to like actually get out there and like see, be more part of the cases. But blood makes her sick. <laughs> I mean, those crime scenes. To be fair. Um, and also important to note that the girl f- who passes, who is murdered, uh, is in her bed when they find her. With the door to her apartment locked from the inside. Yeah. So they're like, oh, it's a suicide. Yeah. It has to be. Then we cut to this uh, office worker who's coming home and he's very suicidal. He's just walking around with an X-Acto blade. Yikes. Um, and he once again calls the guy. They're going to commit suicide together. This time, however, we see him kind of enter into the dream world. And as the beast is attacking him in the dream world, in the real world, he is stabbing himself to death. Horrifying. In bed with his wife next to him. Yeah, his wife wakes up and just watches him. He's just like, help me. Horrifying. My God. Holy smokes. (laughs) We don't really, honestly, we don't really see a lot of uh, uh, the nightmare detective. No, there were there was one point like toward the end when I was kind of thinking to myself, wait, is Kiko the nightmare detective or <laughs> is the guy the nightmare detective? I was a little confused. Um, it does feel a lot like it's trying to be a dark superhero movie. Oh, for sure. One thousand percent. Um, it's it's very, very genre based. And a lot of this feels I mean, it feels dated now, but stylistically, it just feels like... I mean, I, I enjoy it because it feels like a BBC show. Like oh, we talked yeah. about. It feels like it was a Doctor Who level budget. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the music is like... It sounds like Sherlock. It all looks like it's made on the, on the run with a, with a handy cam. Yeah, literally someone with a camera on their shoulders just running after people. Yeah, not even in the movie. They're just in the movie by accident. Yeah. <laughs> 
now when they start trying to chase down uh the uh the killer they're trying to find figure out someone who can like see the other side of things the less logical side so they oh we'll go talk to a psychic i didn't know that was a real part of police work was having a psychic on board is it really no i don't know very doubtful but i love the way he sets up shots it's just like you the most of the time the person you want to be watching is in the background of the shot um and that was also a lot of uh, in Shin Godzilla. They did the same thing a lot, just like crowding as might as many people in the shot as possible. The um the detective guy was also in Shin Godzilla, right? Uh, the or head the the head detective, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was the prime minister. The prime minister who got Godzillaed. Ooh, awkward. Mm. Mm. Um, but yeah, so they they decide. Um, <laughs> don't they just, like try to figure out? Who, uh, who should like call the number to kind of pretend to be suicidal? Yeah, because they have no idea how he does it. Yeah, they're they're kind of at a loss right now, and they're just they're literally grasping at straws. <laughs> and it's the uh, they realize that I don't know how they have a recording of the last phone calls that people made, but they do. And at the end of it, they hear someone they hear the voice of the person going, "Help me!" So they know that that person's been got to. They got got. The young young detective gives him a call. He calls uh, our heroine, and he's like, "Oh, don't worry. Like he never got to me, but we're we're pretty sure we're, we got him." And then she's about to hang up the phone. She hears him say, "Help me." Now they've already tried to go talk to our nightmare detective, who is who has just tried to kill himself. He's having some trouble. <laughs> this whole movie is so much about. Uh, this whole movie is so much about depression and suicide and like the influence people can have on you. Yeah. It's just, it's very dark. It's so dark. And when we get to, uh, jumping ahead a little bit, when we finally get to our final confrontation, the the last 20 minutes of this movie, I think are some of the best parts of the movie. Yeah. Agreed. Jumping back. They enter into the dream world of the young detective. Who's just like taking a nap. And they realize that the guy is there to get him. Zero is. And the guy was like, I didn't even realize I wanted to commit suicide until now. Aye. And same thing happens. He's like a mess of knives and wounds. And I love that they never show exactly what he looks like. That's what kind of makes it scary. Like a lot of times in horror movies, if they're not wearing a mask, you either just don't see them or you know right away who it is and it's just kind of like oh okay well there's the killer but like not being able to see him but see what the killer is doing is really fucking scary yes and you can just see like he looked human but then like there's a big slash through his face or he's just bleeding everywhere and you just see like a mess of knives yuck and the entire time um zero is in this bathroom set just waiting for someone to call him. Just waiting. All dressed um, up with nowhere to go. he gets the young detective who, once again, in his sleep, just stabs himself to death. Oh, yeah, that was kind of sad. It was so sad. I kind of liked like, him. Yeah, he was the only one super nice to her. But the nightmare detective also gets hurt uh, during the confrontation inside the, the guy's dreams. Um, they both get... They, he gets hospitalized. And he's gone for a good chunk of the movie after this. Yes. <laughs> Which is weird. He just kind of like fucks off and he's like, I'll come back when I'm ready. He he pulled the Laurie Strode. I kind of liked it though. I like when the person who has the most power, you don't just put in the movie the entire way through. 
Otherwise, it's like the movie should be over. Don't try to justify yeah. Halloween Kills. Oh, no, no. Not, I will never justify <laughs> Halloween Kills. Uh, fuck that movie. But this movie... <laughs> this guy's actually got superpowers. And uh, I'm glad they kind of... They don't blow their load in the first couple of... Uh, out, in the first hour of the movie. That was aggressive. Hey, well, you know. <laughs> so we... Here's, some, here's where we get into things I really didn't like about the movie. Is... They get really close to explaining what they're talking about and like going into someone's backstory like Keiko. And they're just like, they kind of give you hints. and But then they don't really do, a, at least for me, they didn't really do a strong job of explaining what was going on. And they yeah. just expect you to understand what they said. Yeah, that that was one of my biggest issues with the movie. But we'll we'll get to that at the end. Yes. <laughs> and... He finally decides to be the hero he needs to be, even though she is like losing her mind because she decides to. He's like, you know, there's nothing I can do. You're not going to make me do it. I'm not going to help you. I won't do it. And right in front of him, she decides to just call the serial killer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, well, now I'm fucked if you don't help me. So, <laughs> girl. <laughs> and so he's like, maybe. <laughs> she just signed her death certificate, but. Maybe I'll help you. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see how tired I am. So she pushes herself to the brink. She's losing her mind. She keeps calling Zero and he's like And at this point she hasn't slept in days. Yeah, and right? she's like, Yeah, she's like, I'm about to I'm about to pass out. <laughs> I am so sleepy. How did you do this? And he's like, I don't even really know. Oh my god. <laughs> petty. He's so petty. But the deep once it kicks off into her dream world. My God, this movie becomes so scary. Chaos. It's like you're going into everyone's subconscious. At a certain point, he says, basically, the way his power works is he stabs himself and cuts himself as much as possible. And the more he does it, the more ravenous he becomes. And he just finds himself into the dreams of the person who is he's been in contact with. And he feeds off of them. And then that ends up killing them in the real life, in the real world, in the waking world. Yes. And then by the end of it, he's just, he's fine. He's like fully healed, right? Yeah. That's so weird. And once again, whatever, he decides he's going to chop himself up into a million little pieces and go after her so he will be the most hungry he's ever been. Oh, yeah. And the shots of just something chasing her are horrifying. So fucking horrifying. And like even even now at this point we've seen the killer and we know who he is, but even now these chase scenes are still so scary because they're so chaotic. Yeah. And I you can just never have a grasp on anything while you're watching these chase scenes. She ends up locking herself in like this like chimney kind of a thing, and then the camera just kind of like will follow into a like a shoot where there's I think a, it wasn't she in like a furnace or something? Yeah. And the camera kind of just that's the beauty of using these smaller cameras. They can just like go up into like the shoot. And then like from up above, you see like the hand start like trying to search yes, for her. The bloody arm. Oh, yuck. <laughs> Finally, the our, our hero, quote unquote, shows up and he has a confrontation with Zero. And he does this really in Zero, like does the monologue. He's like, help me destroy the world, man. You ever listen to <laughs> world Nine Inch evil, Nails, man? <laughs> You ever just sit in your room and lock your door and just not listen to your mom and just be angry, man? Hey, man, if you ever tried a clove cigarette, 
Yuck. And he reaches into Zero's head and just opens it. And I was like, oh, shit, this is cool. Here we go. And he like puts himself into his subconscious and like pulls out this memory of Zero like being locked into a room with a little girl. And the little girl falls back and hits her head on a nail and dies in front of him. But then we're also... He, it's kind of like a push and pull of everyone's like traumatic. Like everyone has traumatic backstories in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the nightmare detectives, uh, Kagunua, his whole thing is like his mother, his mother wanted to kill him so badly because he kept going into her dreams or something. It wasn't quite explained. They finally, uh, end up stopping zero. Uh, but I love the, the visuals of, Kagunuma slowly descending further and further into the um, subconscious through what looks like him falling under the ocean. Yeah. He finally ends up on a sub, like a, a, a submarine. I couldn't remember the word submarine. It's a hard word. It's such a hard word. In the real world, the waking world, Zero is just a guy who's, who I guess he was a suicide attempt who ended up in the hospital. Yeah. And he was in a coma this whole time. And through his comatic... <laughs> dreams he's able to reach people and they're like he the people have been calling him on his cell phone bananas that was such a weird twist yeah <laughs> but you didn't mind that's fine but then the entirety of the last couple of minutes of the sh- of the movie are like it felt like a pilot for a tv show okay it was so weird so when one of my very last notes was i feel like this movie should have ended with kiko and the nightmare detective laying on the floor finally getting to sleep after that was a beautiful shot it, it was so beautiful oh yes um but yeah after they finally defeated zero um it, <laughs> kiko called her her like boss or whatever and had this really stupid line like i finally closed the case i'll i'll put in the paperwork after i get some sleep or whatever it was really silly um but then there's a shot of kiko and the nightmare detective just knocked the fuck out on her kitchen floor and I thought that was where it was going to end. I was like, oh, this is a great place to end it. But that's not where it ended. And it was really weird. <laughs> nope. You get another whole other discussion of them, like her her bringing him flowers at the hospital. <laughs> sitting like, so what are you going to do now, nightmare detective? Oh, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll not be a nightmare detective. <laughs> well, maybe you will be one. It had oh. this, it had this weir- really weird vibe of like, two high school kids talking and like it kind of felt like one of them wanted to ask the other one to the dance or something and they were just like tiptoeing around it and it was a really weird vibe. oh yeah it was definitely <laughs> a well they made it to the end of the movie so they're in love now oh yeah obviously they're dating now <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people say that this is one of his most unoriginal works and i believe that but it was also one of his most commercially successful ones so yeah. what can you do yeah um it, it got a sequel yeah so clearly he stayed the night detective or nightmare detective uh she declined to reprise her role i was just reading an interview he wanted to do a trilogy but he ended up combining the scripts from two and three into making the sequel so now he doesn't know what he would do for a third movie oh yeah three movies of this i don't know so what do you think about this movie okay this movie was wild first of all (laughs) um it, it was just it was so weird and very dark and bleak and gory which i really appreciated but the tone of the movie specifically from the actors was really weird and i don't know if these were choices from the actors or 
if this was from the director specifically, but like with Kiko, she that actress was playing was just being so dramatic with this role and she was just so serious and so brooding but then the nightmare detective was so goofy and i don't know if he intended to be goofy and it, it i found myself laughing a lot more than i feel like i should have yeah and it was just it was really weird to me i don't i definitely didn't hate this movie but i don't think i can say that i loved it <laughs> there's definitely not a consistent theme no as far as like i don't know i feel like maybe there are some less uh confident actors in this movie because the guy who plays the older cop is he knows exactly what the job is oh yeah does it perfectly there's no problems this this is a job for him he's coming to work uh, even and... the guy who plays the younger detective like he knows exactly what he's doing he's, you know he he knows in the in like in when he's in the dream world he can act a little bit bigger, but you know in the main world he's a little bit more normal. Yeah. Um, this movie also kind of felt like a um, like if a like if a Nightmare on Elm Street movie was just really hyper and didn't know how to calm down. I feel like it would be Nightmare Detective. <laughs> this movie has energy. Yeah. Which I don't hate, but once again, it's like if you have a lot of energy and you just keep going, 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 going like the little Energizer Bunny, you're going to miss moments to take a second. I definitely did miss a lot of moments. I I feel I feel like I had to ask you several times, like, wait, who is this guy? Wait, what just happened? Because it was just this movie was so fast. It was definitely hard to take notes. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Any more thoughts? What did you think of it? I agree. It's not his, it's he, well, his best movies, I feel like are trying to talk about something Um, like his, his movie called Tokyo Fist, which is uh, about this guy. It's, it's about like finding like (laughs) masculinity uh, in a weird way, but it's so fucking ridiculous and surreal. Um, It's about these two guys who like, um, it's starring him, of course, as the main guy. And his wife leaves him for a boxer who beats the fuck out of him. And then the entire movie is him training to beat up that guy. And then throughout the movie, they kind of make the wife just like, oh, it doesn't, it's not really about you anymore. It's about these two guys who just want to beat the fuck out of each other. God. Take your masculinity somewhere else, please. Um, but it's just, he likes to explore stuff, and, and which I'm fine with. Uh, and I don't need answers all the time when you're just like exploring a theme. This felt like he was trying to make a commercial movie, but he doesn't have the the focus to. Yeah, it definitely seemed like someone was lacking focus. If you had someone else write the script for him, and maybe like just have you just need someone there to kind of like guide him in the right direction because he has great visual ideas um i like the music even though sometimes a lot of times it didn't really work yeah (laughs) and i think that that's where a good producer helps out a lot is kind of guiding the auteur to like okay well i know you want to do this but like let's pull it back a little bit let's try to keep focus let's let's just like let's narrow it down to the story you want to tell and then we can go from there yeah. And not all auteurs are that kind of like unfocused. Like Wes Anderson is like singularly focused to even to a fault. Like he can't ever break out of that. Yeah. It's not my favorite of his movies, but 
I, I did enjoy it for what it was. I felt like there were some really cool ideas there. It made me think of um, Malignant, uh, like how I wished Malignant would have been. Yes. Like a dark superhero story, like a yeah, horror yeah, yeah. superhero story. Yeah, I agree. I think if it were a little bit more focused, I I would have probably been able to focus on it more. I definitely think it has those really scary aspects to it, but it was just a lot of times it was just kind of over the top and it kind of took me out of it a little bit. And there were some great moments of we don't have the budget, <laughs> so we're going to figure out a way around it. Love that. How many knife monsters <laughs> out of five would you give? Um, I think I'd go three out of five. I think I'd give it three. It's yeah. not a bad movie. Watch it for fun. It's definitely like one of those, um, if you went to like a Hollywood video, they always had that wall Hollywood of like video. Yeah. Uh, tartan Asian extreme films like uh, Audition. Yeah. That's what the movie is. It's about the gore. It's about like, it's a reason to kind of like facilitate that kind of a effects. Yeah, it's it's definitely not a movie that I could see myself watching over and over again, but I definitely do not regret watching it at all. Yeah, it's not a movie I'm going to obsess over. It is an artist that I obsess over. Nice. Yeah. All right. All right, that was Nightmare Detective from 2006 by Shinya Sugimoto. Yeah. So, May is over. May is over. A new May month is, is beginning. We uh we covered some pretty wild things on the podcast some so far. Really wild stuff. Really wild. And as we enter episode ten, maybe we should refine it just a little bit. Yeah, I feel like we need to we need to kind of elevate these conversations a little bit more. Are you saying we need to a twenty four it up a little bit? No. 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 no I no, just no. I think we need to maybe elevate the content that we're watching. Yeah. 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 We'll, Do you kind we'll, of get what okay, I mean? Yeah, we'll elevate it to like the next level or even like floor? Maybe? Yeah. I think I get... Do you get what I'm saying? I, I think, think so. I, so what movie should we cover next? Well, I think if we, if we really want to elevate these conversations, we need to just hop on this elevator and take a ride to the next floor. Just kick it up a notch. Oh, yeah. So... Starting the month of June, our elevated horror month. (laughs) We are watching from 2010, Devil. Devil. Which I think I've only seen this movie once. I think I've seen it. I've never seen it. I I wanted to see it. So I'm looking at the poster now and the poster looks like I I feel like I've seen this movie, but I cannot confirm. So this is going to be weird. <laughs> it's one of those movies that you just wiped it from your brain as soon as you saw Maybe. it. Maybe. This quite possibly could be a movie that I wiped from my brain completely. It's happened before. So <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but yeah, next week we are going to be watching Devil. All right. Well, tune in next time where we will be talking about Devil in our elevated horror month. In the meantime. I'm excited. (laughs) In the meantime, my name is Eric. I'm Evelyn. And we'll see you next time. Later. Bye. Later, later. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe to the podcast on all major platforms and feel free to leave us a review. You can also follow us on Twitter at Lucid Screams Pod and Instagram at Lucid Screams underscore pod. And you can also send us an email at Lucid Screams Pod at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening.